0: Hi guys and welcome to the Fights Outbox and Podcast. I'm Blue Cash as always and um a busy week for us this week because there was a lot of good solid fights this weekend which I um one of them I covered, Benevedas as a plant, um and I'm gonna start with that because I did cover that one and it was a good fight. And I'll cover some more stuff that happened on the card because again, I can go in on going on that. Then I will cover the main events of the other two um big well, the other two exciting fights that happened—it uh, was um, Jose Jose Ramirez beating Richard Comey at, uh at um, a hundred forty pounds, I believe it was—and um, uh, yeah, that was a you know pretty exciting fight. And um, Carlos Conquera versus Christian Mbele, or the other way around, however you want to say it. Um, but uh you know whoever you want to put first but um that happened on Thursday and I completely completely went under my radar I didn't notice it coming at all but that was a fight of the year contender um a really solid fight at uh super middleweight so a really exciting fight and Mbele is like a new entry at the top of uh of super middleweight so I'll talk about that um in those two I will only talk about the main events um because I didn't watch the rest of the card and haven't had time to catch up but um the fifth one I won't talk about is Lawrence Cody versus um David Wright. Because I, I didn't watch it and I'm not gonna catch up because by every single account I've read it was shit. It was apparently shit to the point where a substantial portion of the audience just turned off before the end. Um so you know Lawrence Cody is who he is, who he is is almost always kind of painful to watch. Um so he he's a good fighter, but he's uh, he struggles to be entertaining. He's been entertaining once in the last about like, five years. So um, you know, and when I, when I watch him live, I will watch him. You know, I will, uh, if he's on, if I have the time to watch him live, I will do that. But um, I'm not going to go back and rewatch a fight um, that every single person to, who saw it says was Legendarily shit. So um, I'm just not going to do that. So let's kick off. David Benavides as his colour kind of plant. Um, yeah, this fight went, uh, you know, ben- Benavidez um, defended his tem- in interim title and proved himself sort of the top dog in the division um, as long as Canelo isn't there. Um, and what happened was um, Plant sort of took the lead early. Um, you know, he was boxing very well at mid- mid-ranges and then he start- started to slow down and uh, David Benavides started to be able to close distance on him more and... Uh, and took over, and was getting a bit of a beating by the end. And if you, you know, not just my preview, if you read any preview of the fight, or listened to any preview of the fight, you may have heard that pattern called, because uh, quite a lot of us called it that way, to be honest. Um, it just seemed like the, the way the fight was going to go, and it did. So, so we couldn't be smug about that prediction. But there were a couple of wrinkles, there were a couple of unexpected things. Um... In particular, the way Plant approached the fight, because um, I expected him to be consistently just moving away, like engage, you know, jabbing, but not really engaging at all, um, and just making Benavides follow him. And he didn't. He opened every round pretty much, um, trying to push Benavides back, trying to back him off. Um, and in no sense was he trying to engage. Like, there's, um, you know, Benavides stopped and uh, tried to. Step in, you know. Plant was gone, but he was very much trying to back Benavides up, and I can see the wisdom in that. Um, you know, if you back Benavides up first, if you can keep him consistently backed up, he may expend some energy um, that he's not used to expending and slow down. And secondly, you know, it's just harder for him to get momentum if you can keep him backed up. Uh, so you know, it was worth a try. Um, I would say hindsight says that maybe that was a mixed bag because Plant was. Um, i mean he would have been expending energy either way but um but it's like um at some point um yeah the way he was doing it, the way he fights like that it was purely on intimidation factor he wasn't really hurting benavides so at some point benavides was uh likely to decide uh okay i'm gonna come at you now and plant doesn't have the technique to maintain that forward you know that pressing forward style and still you know and stay disengaged and not not engaged so he had to then switch over to the full-on what i expected um drawing penavidas on and by that time he was starting to slow a bit really and he was you know that he didn't have the pop on his punches that he might have had earlier um so so again uh, he got it, when he did go on the back foot, he started to get Benavides in positions where he wasn't adding generally potentially hurtful shots, but they weren't doing it. And I can't say for sure if they would have really hurt Benavides if he'd have handled them earlier in the fight. But you know, it's, it's a mixed bag. His tactic, um, but it, yeah, it did. Uh, it frustrated Benavides, you could see. And it, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't. That he was pushing forward all the time. He'd uh, he'd push in with a busy jab and then. When Benavides tried to come back, he'd go on the back foot, and he kind of every round started with Plant pushing and then uh, disengaging fairly quickly, and uh, Benavides chasing him for the rest of the round. But then Plant, you know, then Plant would be mostly in evasion mode. Um, you know, he'd be landing his jab, but not the power shots, not the power counters. And there was a point when Benavides did start to get frustrated by that in round five you know start pointing at the ground and going, come fight me come fight me um, but around six when he went you know fuck this I'm coming at you with, with you know everything I've got and that was when things got dangerous the plant and they could have got dangerous for Benavides uh, as well because this is what I'm talking about with his uh, the vulnerability he um he started to get cruder the thing is early on Benavides was being pretty patient and trying to close the distance down with while keeping himself safe within the realms of realms of what he's got Um, and he's pretty good doing that but he he is you know he is quite slow approaching he can't approach quickly and safely at the same time Um, so when he did start to um, approach unsafely he was you know um, compromising his stance um, stepping over he has this thing where when it when he's in stance, when he's in stance of throwing, his stance is fine. Um, you know, he, he's hittable, but he's not. He's no longer completely squared up and all of that nonsense. Um, he used to be. But um, when he's moving around or when he's moving too quickly, he does wobble basically between stances. He takes almost shortcuts, um, but long cuts really, um, <laughs> where his chin is up in the air and he's hittable. And Plant didn't add on him a couple of times when he started doing that, when he started really pushing in. Um and he mattered toward him, especially in the sixth round, I think it was, he, um, Plant made him miss quite a lot, and then he started to kind of counter him, but he, he was eating too much by then, but uh, he, yeah, he couldn't punish him, he couldn't stem him down, um, and, uh, it was just, uh, he didn't have a way of, um, of consistently dissuading Benavides from coming at him, and I think this may also be the thing about, um, um, Plant, um, even if he had to started to playing Keep Away from the beginning, at some point he would have had to be this way in Benavides. You know, his it's, it's game plan revolved around stopping Benavides from coming forward as quickly as he wanted to. And at some point, Benavides had to go fuck it and go for it. And he did. Um, so, let, you know, it's all about the way he went fuck it. Because I like a bit of controlled crudity. And it should be noted that controlled crudity is, in my opinion, I wrote a whole piece about this, you can find it. Um, it's how Canelo beat. Um, Beat Plant is um, he kind of short-circuited his skills almost, and uh, just kind of roughly went for him. Um, you know, Canelo being Canelo. It was um, it was a very skilled and controlled sort of roughness, but um, but he was abandoning some of his more snip moves in order to get to Plant more quickly. And Benavidez does not have those same snip moves, but um, but he was doing certain things, and some of them were risky. Um, but they were designed to fluster Plant and scare him back, and uh, and they did. Um the main one being the step in right hand earlier on he um he, he was throwing his right hand to his lead um he was leading with his right hand with his power hand but but kind of leaning in with it you know he wasn't committing to it fully and he'd jab his fair share um and uh When he started to go for it, he started to really step in with his right hand. And that's a dangerous thing to do, stepping in with a shot. And being off the ground while throwing, you know, one foot off the ground while throwing a shot is dangerous because if you walk onto it, um, you you are risking walking onto a knockout shot. And again, Plant did catch him a couple of times with doing this, but um, he just got intimidated out of doing it very quickly because that shot was troubling Plant. Um, The the overhand right was coming over, you know, Calip Plant's got this shell, this shell guard, this, um, you know, the Philly shell, um, this shell guard, the shoulder roll. And there's a lot uh, lot to like about it. And I'll go back on to um, some, some ways it was useful to him during the early part of the fight. But um, but once, once Benavidez started to step in with that big right, it kind of short-circuited... I like using that term, don't I? kind of short-circuited his defence because he's got this long right coming over the um, over the low lead hand... That normally normal boxers with normal strikes wouldn't be able to reach, but Plant was just putting it into the gap where his guard is not or his head movement was supposed to deal with it, and he just wasn't able to deal with it, and it kind of made him fall apart. But, um, and when he fell apart, that's when Benavides was able to step in and start working upstairs and downstairs. And this is where I want to talk about something I maybe should have mentioned earlier, but um, I'm going to mention it now. Um, earlier on in the fight, Benavides wasn't working the body at all, and Plant was working the body very well um and the commentators were wondering and were quite a few people watching were wondering um why wasn't Benavides working the body early and he could have probably done so more but um the thing was plants i said this in the, my preview plant is one of the few fighters you see now who knows what shoulder roll is for knows well, i mean he's not the only fighter who knows who fights with the loaded hand who knows who knows how to do that but um it covers with the body very well basically is what I'm saying here um the thing about a shell guard and a shoulder roll um and I did say this in my preview, so you may have you all have heard this thought from me and from others before but the thing about a shell guard is that it's not about just sticking your shoulder in the way it's about lining up your whole stance in a way to dissuade the angle, the shots you know just to close off all the angles of the minimum amount of effort and um Plant just closes off body shots very well, and he's also placed well placed to counter. So if Benavides had gone for body shots that weren't there, he would have found himself countered upstairs probably. So he just didn't, um, until he found a way to fuck that guard up. And that overhand right, that stepping right, um really did, because he had to twist but you know, Benavides had to start bringing his hands up. He had to he started to shut up into a into a high guard, which he's much less good at. It's a static high guard. He doesn't bring it down to protect the body. And that's when Benavidez started to go to work. Um, And Benavidez, he really does work. a static guard. You know, it's really hard to work with him. Benavidez's guard isn't static. Um, And that's why he's hard to deal with, you know, for a fighting-like plant, especially on the inside, because Benavidez adjusts his guard. You know, you go to the body, he'll bring his hands down. You'll go upstairs, he'll bring his hands up, he'll bring his hands across. You'll change the angle of his, you know, of his forearms to catch things. And Plant doesn't do any of that. So uh so not only was he being hurt but anything he threw back was uh wasn't really working for him. And the, one of the things I like about Benavides, um I took I, I went into this uh in my post fight um bloody elbow thing, but um my bloody elbow article which you can go and read, I invite you to. Um the um it's called Turning the Tide. Benevidus a plant. Um in any case, one of the things I enjoyed about Benavides, and I really just generally enjoy about Benavides anyway, is the way he he um, uses he switches side to side. Not you know every boxer punches one side then the other and one side then the other, um, but Benavides is very good at distracting on one side and then finding a the hole on the other. You know, not the only boxer in the world who does that, but he's very good at it. Like, the thing is. His punching is a very high level. Like That seems like an obvious thing for a boxer. His punching is so high level. Like, compared to, he has his weaknesses with footwork, with some of his defence, um, but his punching is uh, you know, as good as almost anyone. And um, one of the things he does really well, like I have just gone off on a ramble on, is um, he'll do something with his right hand and then even that to root punch is not a throwaway punch necessarily, that sometimes it is. <laughs> but then he'll be working... To distract with the right hand and then come up with a left. um the really obvious example in this fight was um once he wasn't close he, he used his lead hand right uh his stepping right a lot but once he was in close he also had this downward chopping right hand which was the same effect um if plants um if plants lead hand was low um you know punished that but even if it wasn't he was coming around the back of the guard he was coming up high and plant would kind of have to twist himself upwards and bring his guard up to his own left to counter that, not even counter to block that right hand. And Benavides knew full well that was happening. Um, and he'd start to come up from underneath with a uh, with a left hook to the body or kind of an uppercutty type thing. Um, and not always to the body, sometimes to the head, because he'd, yeah, or well, quite often to the head, because um, Plant would be twisting away from this punch upstairs. He'd be trying to get low to get away from it. And he'd come straight into the left hooker cut uppercut hook whatever you know it's um one of the things i praise about benavides is he has multiple angles multiple shots and sometimes they're not easily definable but yeah he'd um he'd often be literally just punching plant's head down from the right into a left ha- left-handed shot coming up um that's the most obvious example but there was a lot of this a lot of you know manipulating throwing on one working on one side um and then working with the other and the thing with benavides is. He's pretty capable of throwing two, three, four shots with the same hand consecutively without losing either momentum or his shape or yeah, you know, it's a hard thing to do, you know, throw four hooks in a row without without getting predictable. Throw four shots in the same hand in a row without getting predictable, without getting countered. It's it's tricky and Benavides does it well. And you know, once Benavides got into position to start doing that, plant was in trouble. Um and it is the thing that I talked about before the fight and I've talked about the plant before, is that um he just doesn't have a layered, a layered defense. He has that first layer, the smooth outboxing. When he's in close, he doesn't really. He knows what he's doing up to a point, and then he starts to lose shape. And once he starts to lose shape, he's in trouble because he has no way to get out and reset. He loses control of his feet. And once you lose control of your feet, you're in trouble. Um, and yeah, that's that was basically the story of the second half of the fight, and it was quite surprising that. Um, he saw the final bell, but he was all heart and he never stopped. Trying. Like, he never showed up and just went into survival. Uh, and never tried, he never turned into trying, you know, just trying to get to the end. He really did go for it. Like, um, in the final round, he threw fuckloads of punches and um, he, he <laughs> really went furiously for it. Like, he can have no regrets whatsoever about what he put into this fight. Um, but he just has limitations, um, as a boxer, and they they were just really badly matched to plants, and he wasn't able to find. Um, Benavides' limitations but the same way that Benavides was able to find him. Um, a couple of other notes. Um, Kenny Payless. Uh, there was a lot of complaints about Kenny Payless. And it wasn't a magnificent performance. I mean, it was a pretty poor performance. Um, early on, Plant would hold. I don't think he was holding on as much as people were complaining about. But he would basically, any time Benavides did successfully get close, Plant would grab hold of him. And Bayless would... Let him do it and then break them immediately he wouldn't he didn't warn him or anything, but he would just literally break them immediately so Plant was getting all the benefit of um basically stopping any of Benavidez's momentum um without having to, you know without giving Benavidez the chance to work out of it, and he's good at doing it um, you know to work out to try to deal with the wrestling and be punished um you know, so basically just let he gave plant everything he wanted. Our punt over the point. Plant was too tired to properly hold on, at which point Kenny Bayless went, you know, fuck it, just hit him, however you, you fucking please. And there were a few moments where, there was one moment where I thought the fight could have been stopped, especially where, um, where Plant grabbed hold of one of Benavidez's arms, I think he grabbed hold of the left, and Benavidez just started fucking smacking him with the right, and he was completely free, he was completely unprotected, and he nearly dropped. And it wasn't intelligent defence, um, and the fight could have been, you know, I don't think there would have been too many complaints if we'd stopped it there. But he didn't, and uh, Plant, you know, got himself together and uh, fought to the end. So, so there's that. I've seen a couple of people criticise Benavides for not knocking Plant out, and all I can say to that is really just, you know, you're being, your expectations are too, too sky or Like, yeah, he could have, in an ideal world, knocked out a guy who was hurt and whatever. But, um... Benavides has never been a one-hit power puncher that's never his thing and plant just you know he just kept going like he could have been stopped but plant just kept going and going and wouldn't give in. um but there's nothing against benavides for for not knocking him out but yeah good performance i hope he gets canelo next um i don't think he's gonna um in which case uh a fight against Mumbili who I'll talk about later, would be interesting, or a fight against um, Dave morell who's also a young, exciting fighter doing his thing at super middleweight. But Canelo has got to be the aim, so we'll see. We'll see what rolls around. We'll see what happens. Um, and Plant has to uh, just regroup, basically. Like he's 30, he's not done, but um, he's not going to get a world title shot anytime soon. So he has to consider whether you know how, what he wants to do. Because I don't think you know, it's, it's not time. I'm not going to sit here and go, he should retire. Like, he may well work his way back to title level soon enough, just not, you know, right away. Um, and he may well be, you know, with the guys I just mentioned um, himself. Not like, if he can beat either or both of them, uh, it would be hard to say, you know, behind Benavides, he, he may be the next next in line at the title. So, you know, um, but yeah, just an interesting uh it's just an interesting division right now. So, you know, even with with Canelo being inactive for the purposes of the division. Okay, further things on the, fi- on the card. Um, the co-main kind of event was um, a bit of a mismatch. I won't talk about it deeply. I misjudged this. Um, you know, to be honest, I didn't look into it as deeply as I should have done it for run to be really accurate. Joey Spencer versus um, Jesus Ramos at £154. Yeah, £154, um, away and you know I looked at I took a brief look at both of them um, and I said Spencer looks a bit more the complete fighter to me you know yada yada Um, but he turned out firstly he was jumping a lot of levels higher you know I didn't get quite into the context of um, Ramos has been around for not even that he's been around for longer but he's uh, he's been at higher levels up till now but also Spencer uh, has been not for this fight but he's fighting above his uh, um, most comfortable weight I'm actually looking he's actually fought out high before this is which is kind of bizarre um he was massively outsized by uh by uh ramos like just a lot it was a huge mismatch in uh in uh sizes um so it's not even that that ramos looked that much more skilled now he looked better than i thought he did um before but he was still you know I didn't see that performance from Ramos and go oh he's definitely going to go to the top of you know it's a sharp tank division but um, just for skill for skill they were reasonably evenly matched but they were just like nothing Spencer did anything to Ramos uh, through any, anything Spencer threw at Ramos did anything was anything Ramos threw like he'd he'd catch him under gloves uh, like a completely solid uh, block and just be completely moved across the rim like he had nothing for him at all and Ramos is you know for all you know, me knocking him or being sceptical of his world level upside, um, he has a good attack. He's accurate with his punches and he knows how to set up attacks. And so when he's uh, you know when he's able to just move a fighter wherever he wants him, um, he was never going to let that let that up. And then it ended with a Chico in the second and seventh round. Um, yeah, it was just a bit one sided. Um, not that interesting a fight. The other. Main event Card events The other was a Very controversial fight Between Chris Cobert And Jose Valenzuela Um, The way Valenzuela Was uh, Seen as a winner By most um, And I would say You know I probably Would say Valenzuela won I would have to sit down And rescore it To be sure for certain But you know Valenzuela had the Dominance in the fight He um, He hurt Cobert um, four times or so um, you know multiple occasions had him reeling and sort of holding on and surviving um, and the uh, and he knocked him down early on in the first round I believe it was uh, but it was a 10 round fight and um, Valenzuela clearly and definitely won four of them um, and uh, and Colbert went basically and ended up winning uh, by one round on all three cards um, I feel like it would be generous to give Colbert all of the rest of the rounds, which is what you have to to give him to arrive at that score. But I don't think it's impossible. You know, I, again, I'd have to watch it again. I may come to the conclusion that it's completely. You know, there, there was another round where, despite you know Colbert not being hurt, he um, he couldn't really didn't have a, really have an argument. But I don't think it's you know I don't think it's an egregious decision that uh, that everyone made out made it out to be. Um, maybe a bad decision, but not like this huge robbery. It was just one of those things where. We're not scoring by pride rules. If it was pride rules, you know, um, damage for the whole fight, cumulative damage for the whole fight is how you score it. Then yeah, Venezuela was a clear winner, but it's not how boxing scored. So, you know, what can you do? Um, the aftermath was identifying because Valenzuela got in Colbert's face, um, you know, as if he personally scored the fight. Colbert offered the rematch and he offered the rematch and he offered the rematch and he went, fuck this, fuck you, shut the fuck up. And um this was at 135 pounds. So um Colbert is above his comfortable boy, and now he says, you know, he would he had off with rematch, he's just gonna go back down to 130 and the can uh, you know eat it. Um so that's what's gonna happen. The fight itself was kind of weird. Venezuela was a teammate of David Benavides, and you can see the influence, you can see the similarities. Um a gym mate, I say, of uh, Benavides, but um and his footwork is a lot, hell of a lot slicker. Um, he still makes a big mistake to footwork, and that's part of what costs him here. But he isn't like this wobbly, stompy monster. He isn't as good as his hands. Clearly, if he was as good as his hands while having the footwork he has, he, um, <laughs> he wouldn't be losing this kind of fight or even you know, competitive in it. Um, his hands aren't as fast. He isn't nearly as quick as he needs to be to be the reflex fighter that he's trying to be. And he has good you know, he has good ideas with his hands, but he isn't able to build the combinations the same way Benavidez is. He's just not as good as it. Um and that's kind of what, you know, um the story of the fight was Colbert is one of those guys who fights like a slick-out boxer but he isn't. Um he wants to be a good defensive fighter, but he's not. Um You can kind of compare him to Agent Broner. Um he isn't like Broner in the sense that he has uh I mean, Broner has heart in his days, in his fights as well. And Colbert, you know, has, um, he's not a dickhead, is what I'm saying here. But um, he has these moments where he seems to be on the verge of melting. And, and, you know, he often falls apart in the love fight, but he never gives in and he never stops trying. And when he starts firing back, um, you know, when he's not trying to be slick, this is why I compare him to Broner, when he's not trying to be slick and defensive, he's much better than when he is. So he gets forced into a corner, and then when he has to find his way out of it, that's when he starts to look good. Um, and Venezuela, the, the times he hurt him were he is pretty damn good at just being really unexpected and coming around really weird corners. It's a mixed blessing because that's when he has his most success, but it's when he's at most vulnerable. He takes hella shortcuts, basically. He takes huge shortcuts um, and he just leaves him vulnerable. But when he does get into the right position, he'll throw, uh, uh, you know... He'll step across and throw right hand from a crazy angle, and, uh, and Colbert doesn't know where it's coming from. And so he's good at that. He's, he's a fun watch, Valenzuela. Um, Colbert, yeah, he's a fun watch. They're both fun fighters. Again, not the main event. I'm not going to go super in-depth, but they're both worth, you know, I don't think at this point either of really world-level upside. Valenzuela is younger, has more time. Maybe. But he does have to stop taking these uh, risks. He has to find a way to get himself into the positions he gets his best attacks from without being as vulnerable as he goes there because he's just too open to be hit, to be cut off as he's moving to those positions. So he needs to take a few lessons from, you know, the right people. And the final fight was Cody Crowley versus Abba Ramos. Cody Crowley being a Canadian up-and-comer in the watchweight division. And he's just going to be a hell of a lot of fun. He just, he, he doesn't hit hard. Um, he's 22 fights and 9 KOs, so, you know. But he threw... Eight hundred odd punches. Um, it was in twelve rounds. I thought it was in ten. No, it was in twelve rounds. But um, <laughs> I think it was in ten. We're not watching the fight. Um, but in any case, he was throwing uh, a lot, and he's just to Abu Ramos. Like Ramos is, you know, decent gatekeeper. He's not, well, you know, himself a world level fighter. But if you beat him well, you. Probably a world level fighter Which Crowley I think is um, But basically Crowley stuck to him like glue Like you could have thrown It was a massive ring Because that's what Plant requested You could have thrown a tower over them At any point There, there was no point in the fight Where there was any separation Whatsoever um, And he just comes at you Non-stop Like Throwing And when he's not throwing He's pushing And he's shoving And he's making space Just for his punches Not you know not just away. Um He's going to be a fun fighter To watch um, Whether he can be You know is he going to beat Terence Crawford at Elvis Spence? No. You no, know, he's not. But, but um, Stan Jonas, who unfortunately his fight with um, Virgin Ortiz just called off, that could be an interesting fight. You know, I'd probably lean Stan Jonas, but um, dealing with someone who's you know whose engine is like Crowley's um, will be... Uh, it's just going to be a fun fight of the division. Um, he gave an emotional post-fight interview. I'm not you know going to break it down, um, but uh, he talked about he how he had been suicidal and uh, he... F- found his way out of that but his father did you know he passed he uh, he passed by, he died by suicide so um so it was you know one of those please talk to someone um so he has you know he's fought through a lot to get hit to, to get here not just in the ring. um um, but yeah just in the future he's the one to watch out for if you're not familiar with him I recommend watching out for him now even if he's these are the fighters that boxing needs as much as the big stars you need the fighters who I don't think he's going to be a pound for pound star he's just too vulnerable but he's skilled and he's aggressive and he's just had a lot of fun um, yeah uh, Cody Crowley keep a look up for that okay that's the uh, the main bits from the um, the Plant Benavides fight done and yeah that was a fun fight it was a you know younger um guy trying to gain his way back Romero's trying to gain his way back to world title level um, over Commie who is uh, I mean he was also trying to gain his way back to world title level but he's 36 now I believe and uh, just kind of on the way you know he's on the on the long slow slide down but he's not even near past it as he proved here um, and this one was a bit more it wasn't on one-sided beating by any means but um, by the end I think the winner was already pretty clear I don't know maybe Commie could have come back. Um, Basically, what happened is, uh, Ramirez came out early and hurt Comi, and Comi didn't really have a way to keep him off. He seemed, he seemed to be inviting him to stand a bang. Actually, this is something I mentioned in my preview, so I felt quite good about this as well. Um, Comi beat, uh, Comi got a draw off Pedraza last year, um, by baiting Pedraza to, to stand a bang with him, and, uh, and getting hurtful shots off when he did. Um, he seemed to try to do the same thing early here. That Ramirez is a far more clean fighter. Um, not in the sense of, you know, dirty cheating, but um, he's much more controlled. He's much more a textbook with his form than Pedrador So he was able to push Komi to the ropes and then square him up on the ropes and then start to find the gaps, throw his bodywork um he would push comey out of shape and Comey couldn't do the same thing back and Comey wasn't ready for that and Ramirez very much knew that was going to happen and he pushed it for a ferocious pace for the first four rounds or so um, he looked like he was going to knock comey out in the first round then he kind of didn't after that um, but constantly pushing constantly working the body constantly um just to you know, throw the kitchen sink at him really early on, and like he re- he really seemed like the first four or five rounds I'd say, that um, like he thought he was going to knock him out at any moment, and he fought like that. Um, and it's quite a surprise. Uh, it's not a surprise that he gassed. It's quite a surprise that he didn't gas more, to be honest. Um, but like I say, he's a controlled fighter in his form. He's very efficient, um, and he seems to always know what he's you know where he's at, what he's doing. So, so you know, he eased off, and then Komi started to find some success, um, finding a bit, fighting it a bit more at range. Um, And then, yeah, um, I think Comi started to slow again at the end of the fight. You know, started to come down to the level of Ramirez, and he got caught. uh, Interestingly, he hurt. You know, he seemed to have Ramirez not wobbling or anything, but um, uncomfortable. Um, And then Ramirez caught him with what seemed to be like a right hand. Like he, it was a completely unexpected shot. Um, And then he, uh, um. He knocked him down, and then Comey uh, got up and he fought on. He fought the rest of the 11th round, but um, he got caught with a body shot and uh, and went down and couldn't get up. He took a knee and he couldn't get up. Um, so, yeah, uh, deserved a victory for Ramirez. Um, the th- final thing about Ramirez, and I think he's improved on this because I always thought of him as quite a straight-line fighter, um, and he wasn't in this fight. He pushes forward hard, but the, yeah, the reason Comey had so much trouble was that he wasn't standing still in front of him. He was circling, stepping left and right. He's no Lomachenko by any means, but um, he's finding the angles, um, you know, left and right to uh, to find to to get around him and to take himself out of the line of fire. And uh, and he's very good at not smothering not smothering his punches. He's very good at uh, at dealing hurtful shots wherever he is you know even if he's really close even if he's a bit further out he knows how to generate power um, you know he's not a super hard puncher um, this is the first knockout in ages um, but but he knows how to do damage um, yeah it was just a it was just a cool little performance I mean, again I'm not going to go super into depth on this one but um, but if you like if you like to see a pressure fighter aggressive pressure fighter um diffusing his opponents uh more awkward um counter um trying to you know him trying to stand a and trying to diffuse it in a textbook way this is a fight to watch and this makes it a fun comparison because i'm going to move straight on to um mbili versus ngora just because you can contrast compare and contrast them because um mbili versus ngora was also about a guy who Gongora was trying to bait Mbili onto the ropes and fight with him there and um, having a little success except for a few things but Mbili is very unorthodox and it showed in the only punch that Gongora had any success with which was that he just kept cleaning his clock with an uppercut um, just because that was the only shot he had um, the only shot that was available to him really consistently um, and uh, you know it's just a huge contrast to you know, if you tried that against that sort of thing, if Comi had tried just constantly nailing Ramirez, he'd have, he'd have got eaten, um, which, you know, Kongura did eventually, but, um, yeah, he's just really, he has the same kind of thing, you know, he seems to defend with his face, and he seems to really not, not have much of a defense, that's not really true, he does, he moves his head a lot, his proactive head movement is just, you know, non-stop, I wouldn't say always fantastic, because he sometimes i stick his head where it shouldn't be, but, um, he just non-stop pushing forward, non-stop um, physically shoving his opponent about, um, and he throws really unorthodox combinations. Um, and he has, you know, just has constant movement, constant gist-free movement around his opponent, and he's always he always talks in with his punches. You know, this is the other thing. Um, uh, Ramirez doesn't look like he's putting much effort into his shots, even when they're landing hard. Mbele um, was just fucking talking into everything, which again. This was a ten rounder, no much of a decision, but um, it was a ten rounder. Um but uh Beanie just pushed the pace for all ten rounds and luck like, you know normally when you see someone really pushing that hard they tend to get tired. Um but he didn't. He just kept going and going and going. And yeah, basically that this was this was a story of also a bit of a yeah, you know, it wasn't a comeback, I wouldn't say Gongora was ever comfortably ahead but just as the fight went on Gongora got less and less comfortable except in the 8th and the 8th is a round of the year contender because he hurt Mbili pretty badly with one of those uppercuts and just kept going for it just kept going for it and Mbili looked like he was going the most way out and then he fought his way back um, dominated at the end of the round and then through the last two rounds just kind of really took it to Gungora. Um again could have been stopped not really a big deal that it wasn't but um but Gongora, uh, but Mbili won fairly definitely in the cards. Um, just a really cool fighter to watch, to be honest. Um, definitely going to be fun at the top of the division. But like him versus Benavidez. I would absolutely pick Benavidez at this point, but um, but it would be a fire fight. Um, so yeah, um, new name to watch, basically, is what I'm saying there. So yeah, that's the week that was. Um, there was other stuff um, on that Ramirez um, versus um, Comi fight. There was also a women's um, title fight um unification between Tina Ruprecht and uh Cinesa Estrada um the scores have that a whitewash apparently that's very unfair and Ruprecht boxed pretty well um I haven't seen it I would like to catch it up um but I haven't seen it yet um yeah other than that um I'm done uh, next week is uh we starting we're starting April now and April fucking rocks even though fights are getting cancelled on it left and right um we've we just lost uh Virgil ortiz versus uh, Stagnonis, which was um you know one of my picks of the month but um but even still it's a really strong month and it starts you know it starts off with Anthony joshua versus, versus um, franklin um which i'm not particularly interested in um but on the same night you will have um ramirez versus isaac Dogbe, which I uh, I think is really fucking cool. Um, so uh, definitely, you know, Joshua you're, You already know whether or not you're going to watch that, um, and you know it's it's a relevant fight. So I probably will be. Um, Dog Bay versus uh, Ramirez. Basically, Ramirez is so fucking cool, and Dogba is just fun. So um, so that is one of my that's one of my picks of the month. Um, Ramirez should have the class on him, but we'll see. Um, so yeah, there's a lot to watch. Um, I will be back next week with a uh, With a podcast And we're starting this Busy, busy, busy Fucking period Um, There's going to be Huge sprint in boxing You know Unless fucking everything Gets cancelled So uh, Yeah, have fun I um, I will see you Well, first before I go I always forget this bit Uh, Follow me on Crafty Boxing On Twitter Follow the fight site At the fight site And join our Patreon Um, Yeah All of that stuff And I will see you next time